Hi, everybody. Test free reading on Barbie's podcast. Reading a story tonight called Clubbing in the Summertime. Story I wrote about my childhood. Wrote this a long time ago. Clubbing in the Summertime by Tess Free. In the 1950s, the boys crimped our personal power early in life by throwing us off the edge of the wall into a dead, still, black water deep canal that ran along a raging river, and it was its exact opposite. Sink or swim, the big boy said, and by golly, nobody died that way. Either you'd swim your little urchin ass off or you'd drown trying. Plus, it wasn't as scary as all that because the boys dove in headfirst to scare away all the fish so you didn't have to worry about being eaten alive by a giant whale carp. Scaring those big fish showed us that they understood our fear and our love for them as our commanders grew. By doing things like that, those big boys proved they were able to rule us because we were unruly little bastards and they had to be fierce to be our protectors. We all knew they wouldn't kill us, really, but we were always scared enough to constantly keep our eyes on them every minute. Swimming was one of the fine arts of survival. It was granted, titles of of being a swimmer was granted to us youngers by the older boys. The big boys had to be sure you could swim before anyone could trust you on your own, and that's how it was. Little kids were taught to swim on any random day. And after that day, if you didn't drown, you'd get a promotion to having a necessary life skill. Yeah, stupid, you had to go through it, no other way. These boys were all the men I knew and I loved. Posturing muscle and sinew horseplay broke my warm and glistening body into being alive. We've shoved each other, shouting, wake up, wake up, feel something, and by golly, we did. Then everything in the air began shouting at me. The ridiculous piercing sound of that damn loud whistle blast that went through every drop of air in that wet town racked my head and blew out my hearing. Holy ree, ree, ree! The damn whistle blew three screeches shouting, It's safe now! It's safe now! It's safe now! The water had been slowed down for a while and plenty of fish on their way to somewhere, would be hanging out in deep poles, pools like stalled cars on the highway in engine barely running mode. They were caught. Ah, good day to go clubbing, someone hollered. We poked a meandering path down to the sacred area of the river, our yabbering finally silenced by the waterfalls making us to hush and become silent. We matched our emotions to hers. When this calm feeling came to us by the calm river, 
we all knew to become silent and we crept along down to the water dam just like good Indians. Clubbing was a fishing technique we perfected in my gang of gangling unwanted hoboed kids. Everyone's got his or her perfect club, which was either a bat or some large thick stick we stashed by the river and it was forever ours. The water in the little and giant holes calmed, attaining a meditative state in the river and the sun went shyly behind the trees and out of the glare, I could see the lower river. There were bowls of big fish and what looked to be a giant gray flat kitchen table. The mother river had set a meal for us all. Come and get it, she said, pointing to the long gray limestone stone table of fresh raw fish stuck in little ponds. Such a natural invitation. In my special pair of rotted sneakers waiting in the bushes by the dam just for days like this, clubbing was a way to get attention. I loved dragging those dead fish through town and seeing everyone laughing. That was way more fun than eating these big fish. I'm working, I'm fishing, I'm selling fish, I, tell, I told myself to be extra proud of myself. No one ever asked me where we got them, but clubbing was as good a way as any, I would have said. I don't need any pole. We just out, outsmarted the sense of need to own a fishing pole. I don't need to carry anything. I can just go down there and conk them on the head. Now I have my hands free. Clubbing was a riot. We always got plenty of pike and bass and trout and our favorite, the big orange carp. Of course, in my house, mom didn't know how to cook anything, so I never took any fishes, and the ones I did take, I sold. What? 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 Ah, and off the grid, something horrible just happened. A large blast of gushing water blew full out of the chute, and we all, youngers, all fell ass-bound and banged around the well-polished rocks downstream all the way to the really dead end of town and really, really out to the dead end of town. Holy wrecked body, that was not fun. Whoa, where did that come from? No one spoke and we didn't know this had never happened before. In a second, we were all washed down river and we had to swim back in from the lake and crawl our pathetic way back up through the lonely dead town. We looked funny hopping around on the scalding hot sidewalk, wet as newborns, going through the main drag where everybody saw us and laughed like hell. We didn't care. Us river rats made it too. We survived the mother river another day. All the youngers came through just fine now that they could swim and nobody died that day. On the long walk back to the dam where the fishing holes were, we all agreed and talked to each other that the mother water needed our attention. And she sure as hell fucking got it that day. She nearly washed us out to the lighthouse. She was trying to tell us that she had diverted some water for this big goddamn turbine thing that was she's making some electricity. 
And then she said that she had this whistle to scream to get our attention to get out of the water because more water needed to come over the dam. She tried to tell us all this thing about electricity and selling it and money, money, money changing hands. And she gave the water to the people for free. And why were they charging for the water? And all of this blah, blah, blah. And we never knew what she was talking about with her roaring and sucking and water and turning round and round these engines. And I don't know, it seemed to us this dam was probably as old as Indians themselves. Plus, I already knew all dams were called dams because they got they were dammed up some there, and that's how they got dammed up from being blown up and then dammed up, and that's what they are, is they're damn dams. They're damned. You bet they're damned. They stop all things. It all seems too deep to me. I just want to give up because nothing seems to make any sense. And then, in a clean... Muffled, gurgling, I heard the water bubbles calmly say, Be aware, water goddess, you're here because I let you be here. The dam is turned off now. Put on your sneakers and go catch yourself some supper. She, with the help of her blue-ass glacier stone friends she met some 10,000 years ago, scrape those large holes in the rocks that trap the fish just waiting for us to come kill them. It's really not a contest. They're sitting ducks on a still pond. It's like a man killing a deer from his truck, or a belt of bullets ratatated from a gatling gun, only when a single shot would have killed the fucker dead as a doornail. Some kids climbed like they had a Gatling gun, making me think they had gone absent native for sure. They had fury only equal to that raged mother river in winter that we knew, and they tried to match her in everything they did. It was feeding time. Sometimes the sight of kids waist-deep in fish guts and shiny sequin dresses of the huge fishy bodies and those steely fucking eyes of the flopping big fish getting clubbed to death made me throw up right then and there. I hated throwing up because that meant I'd have to eat again. And I hated that hungry feeling worst of all. Besides, the little fishes all seem like little small versions of babies to me. Not so different at all. I couldn't see where their fins had been little arms and their tails had been little feet and their little ears. In fact, I copied over the little ears that little flap to cover up my, my ear lobe, my ear canal. Yeah, I felt shame with everyone covered in fish guts. But still, I had to carry my load. I had to be the girl I am. I, had, I could not run away from staying alive. Even though the little fishies were getting their asses kicked, I had to make sure none of those clubs came my way. I never knew how mad everyone could get, but this sh I sure didn't want to find out today. And watch out. Stay frosty. Keep those eyes forward. Keep my eyes seeing what's in front of me. That way I flowed with the river. Away. Let's get to work. The sun's going down, I shouted. 
I like standing up in the middle, shouting off, giving off orders. That way I could keep an eye on everybody. I stood off in the middle of a calm, polished limestone gray table of fish at the edge of a very small hole, really. There were only 12 fish. There were 12 fish in what seemed to be a gallon jug of water, and it was awfully deep, so they kind of laid on each other. Soon all these trapped fish couldn't live. The air would run out. I stood over my hole, my claim, and I examined my work. I bent on my knees and looked at them nervously, but not in the eye, while I was watching everyone out the corner of my other eye. And then I swung hard and came down square in the middle of her little carpy head and I knocked her out. I KO'd her. She's drunk, no blood, just knocked out, I told myself. Plenty of fish could come back to life, and they would too, if they if you took them out of the water, they wouldn't live. She was beautiful. She was twice the size that she was under the water when I dragged her out. Don't ruffle her sequin fish skin dress that glowed so many colors in the sun. Don't stop to inspect that hand-painted look she has, and don't look at that big eyeball of hers. Never look into it. Mother Water told me a long time ago, and I learned. I pulled out, and I managed to pet all of her fish gills, sharp sequins into a lay-down pattern so she could feel normal. She was cold and wet and I gave her a big sigh. As it was, here a fine carp, my catch for the day. My catch for the day, I just conked her square in between the eyes and she just stopped moving. Hey Judy, wanna share with me? I said, holding up my carpy. I had to split. No way could I carry this big old girl myself. We each carried half of the fish. It was so heavy, up the river, over the dam, and up over the hillside again, through the town, to the one store where old men sat on rocking chairs outside spitting. All this huffing and puffing work, I said to Judy, we should have hit smaller fish and made more money. What's wrong with us? Surely we laughed and fell down plenty, trying to get this big dead-ass orange carp up and out. Judy would be happy to get half my haul. Judy and I did not work together often because we fell down laughing all the time. We knew that and only came together for laughing our asses off times. We just couldn't control ourselves and of course we'd pee. We dropped the fish so much that she was slippery as hell, getting all dented on her gold sequin dress and having her eyes buggered out. Yup, good and dirty, having collected gravel and that silvery cold dust that fell called acid rain on our roads and sidewalks. Black cinders were slippery as hell. We slipped on them all the time and we had to scrub them out with wire brushes because if you didn't scrub them out, you'd heal over your skin and there'd be a dirty cinder black streak on your elbow or your knee. If this that happened, you'd have to get that carved out with a knife by one of your friends. Those black, pointy, sharp, coal pinpricks of coal dust came over to us in the air, then picked up some wet water in the Great Lakes and dropped it square on our heads where we lived on the Great Lake. 
cinders all the way from the steel plants in Pittsburgh and Detroit. Wow, this black cinder is sharp as the music coming here from there through the air. That fabulous Motown music, I hugged myself. And we harmonized and swayed with, swayed with the Shirelles, the Major Lance, and the Dixie Cups. Judy and I finally made it to the store where a few old codgers had been pointing Gruff on and howling at the sight of me and Judy coming up the hill while they slowly gathered to see our haul of fresh fish from our mighty Mother River's belly. A sight to behold. She's wrecked on the outside, but juicy on the inside, I chirped, holding up the sort of mangled carpy baby, and the men fell down laughing and aimed to give us a penny each. There was a fat, hairy Russian, a tall, gangly Polak, and a Jew who owned the store, and they said that we were the stupidest, dumbass white kids that they ever did see. That was the first time anybody called me white, and I blushed in anger. I knew it was a slam. White? What the hell? Hey, I'm not white. I'm Greek and Irish. I grabbed my shoulders and said, hey, come on, come on, die me each, die me each. I crooned, pushing out my palm. Just stand and wait, just stand and wait. They know they have to pay us to get rid of us. Damn nigger kids, stupid white kids. They snorted at us through their laughs and they dug around in their dirty pockets to get their grimy hands on that huge fish. All the time, I thought somebody was going to come around the corner and tell the old geezers, geezers they could get in real trouble for calling us niggers. Codgers made no sense. Nobody was around, just me and Judy. Nobody's supposed to say that word. But nothing happened. No adults showed up, and I knew that it was wrong. I knew he was wrong. And I was telling myself, he isn't even American, for Christ's sake. Reaching out with our long arms not to get grabbed by these filthy sons of bitches, we got our hard-earned dimes and we're off. And we ain't no niggers, we hollered back. Later on, I thought, he's right. I thought to my other selves, who else is going to listen? Who's stupid enough to come around with these old foreign geezers, these fat old fucks with one foot in the grave? I really am alone on this one. There has to be a better way. All in all, there is nothing like enjoying that 100-foot-long shoelace red licorice twirled-up rope and my lickamade with my four-reel friend who just hauled dead-ass carp with me up the hill. Now that's love. Luckily, we didn't choke. We laughed so hard till our asses got up and left. Judy and I really were best-ass laughing friends forever. So that summer... I counted my belongings, and they were one black and one white bathing suit, ass wore out with two pairs of shorts over it, one rotted pair of two small sneakers in the bushes at the dam, a club and stick and a moss green ass, and a lot more boyfriends. That year, my feet wouldn't fit into shoes when school began. That was okay pain to be able to go clubbing all summer long beating the wet heat of the summertime, 
living in the coastal cities of the humid Great Lakes, USA, teeming with life, plenty of life for all. The end. Thanks for listening. This has been Test Free.